come to aid of co-worker who wants time off with a new baby to be extended from two weeks to four. Bonaparte First Nation challenges rail terminal company over its duty to consult. Almost half of new nurses registered in Ontario were foreign trained and a ceasefire in Colombia with one division of the FARC has collapsed after the murder of four Indigenous teens. Good morning. It's Tuesday, May 23rd. I'm Nora and here are your headlines. The first story today is from Mill Bay on Vancouver Island. It's a feel-good story from Adam Sawatsky at CTV News. Lisa Armstrong is like a mom at the Mill Bay A&W, Sawatsky writes. The teenagers who she works with love her, and she loves them. Armstrong is pregnant, and the work hasn't been too rough. Actually, Working while pregnant has been, quote, like a breeze, unquote. But Armstrong is only eligible for two weeks off of maternity leave. Or she could take more, but EI only gives people about 55% of their wages. As you might imagine, 55% of an A&W wage does not go very far. So rather than taking any mat leave, Armstrong is taking two weeks of her own vacation and then coming back to work. Sawatsky editorializes, quote, it's the sort of plan you have to make when you are the primary breadwinner in your family until things don't go according to plan and your baby arrives three and a half weeks early, unquote. I mean, Sawatsky doesn't have to say it's the kind of thing you have to do when you are the primary breadwinner of the family. That's horrible that you have to do this. But anyway, Armstrong's baby came 3.5 weeks early and her plan to take just two weeks of vacation evaporated. But good news, her co-workers raised $1,011.50 for Armstrong, quote, almost my full paycheck, unquote, and all donated by kids aged 15 to 17. Sawatsky concludes the article with this. They loved Armstrong so much, quote, which is why they gave their work mom the priceless gift of spending two more weeks, a month in total, to solely being Declan's mom, unquote. Sorry, Sawatsky, but this isn't priceless. It's very literally price full. It has a price. She could do it for her wage. That price is, what, $650 per week, by my own estimate, based on the details in the story? Anyway, the owners, they donated Armstrong food and cupcakes at a work-coordinated baby shower. Now, the article doesn't say anything about how this feel-good story is actually a nightmare. It doesn't go into the maternity regime in British Columbia or in the rest of Canada. It doesn't explain how there's absolutely no time, I guess, with 100% of your wages, which, I mean, I'm surprised by. I, I don't know anything about this in the rest of Canada. I live in Quebec, um, and I was uh, on a completely different maternity leave regime. I think I had seven weeks that were fully paid, and then my income fell off from there, but it wasn't 50% right away. It was 80, and then it went down the longer that I was off. And I'm a freelancer, so I was getting the lowest of the low in terms of my benefits, as I don't really fall into employment standards legislation. The fact that there's nothing in this article about the bosses in all of this is pretty unacceptable reporting. It's outrageous that Armstrong has to rely on the kindness of her teenaged co-workers to be able to not even get a full paycheck. Ugh. If you're out there in Mill Bay, call the owners of the local a Tell Jason and Lori Kelland what you think of this. They're the owners, and uh, that information's not in the article. I had to look it up a little bit on my own. 
They seem like really nice people. Back in October, there was another article about Jason and Lori Kelland who were paying for an employee's family vacation to Mexico. Another feel-good story, although that one was not CTV. This all seems like a really weird way to, you know, hide the fact that the Kellens aren't paying people enough so that they can pay for their own vacations or, you know, take a proper maternity leave. When your child is three and a half weeks early and spends time in the NICU, that's stolen time that you have not much choice but to actually take off from work. So when you go back to work and your child is home, finally, every minute really does count. So, hey, Kellens, give your employees mat leave. My God, that's not hard. We'll stay in BC this morning and head to a rail terminal that's located about 300 kilometers northeast of Vancouver. The Bonaparte First Nation has filed a suit against Ashcroft Terminal Limited for not having properly consulted them over the construction of the terminal's expansion. They also allege that the construction has disturbed their ancestors. The company has called the lawsuit, quote, a collateral attack, unquote, against their project. The Canadian press reports that the terminal is 130 hectares and it's at the intersection of tracks that are owned by CP and CN. There's a tank farm, a container storage facility and other infrastructure there, making it a useful location for a terminal. Human remains and, quote, significant items, unquote, have been unearthed during the construction. Archaeologists have been present at the site. The two sides have been working together, but the relationship soured when protesters staged a hunger strike after human remains were disturbed. The company claims the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples does not apply to their work site. Hearings for the case have not yet been scheduled. And now to Ontario, where almost half of all new nurses registered in Ontario were educated outside of Canada, reports Greg Mercer at the Globe and Mail. Of the 12,385 nurses who were registered by the Provincial College last year, 5,124 of them were educated outside of Canada. That number is expected to surpass 6,000 this year, which would be just under half. That is a massive shift from 2017 when 1,212 internationally trained nurses have registered. It's like five times more almost. One of the changes that Ontario has made is that people no longer need to pay for their exam application and registration fees. Of course, the Globe frames it as the government is, quote unquote, temporarily covering the costs. But yes, that is how public education works. You cover the costs if you're government. So great. That's a great step forward. Shouldn't be temporary. (laughs) While some of the reason for the increase is thanks to work being done to help credentialize foreign trained healthcare workers like making the application and registration process free, the Globe also raises one concern with this. The workers no longer need to pass language tests. Ah, language politics. You thought this was just a Quebec concern. Mercer quotes one expert who says that a lack of language training is a problem for nurses who have to be able to communicate important information to patients in either English or French. But the globe does get into one of the problems that I immediately think of when I hear that we're increasing healthcare capacity through hiring international workers. What is happening to healthcare in these workers' own countries? Philippines and India are the countries where the two largest groups of people are coming from, and both countries have severe nursing shortages. Since the pandemic, the Globe reports that the Philippines has estimated it's lost 40% of its nursing staff. And in India, hospitals are only operating with 30% of the required staff. 
The increase in internationally trained nurses is also hiding another problem. Ontario graduated 600 fewer nurses in 2020 than it did in 2018. Could it be that Ontarians are seeing directly the problems in their healthcare system and they're less likely to go into the field as a result? Maybe, maybe, but that is a crisis. Ontario needs to increase how many nurses it's training. And finally, to Colombia. A ceasefire has been called off by Gustavo Petro after four Indigenous teens were killed by the EMC FARC in the south of the country. You might remember me mentioning this before. Petro has been working with former FARC and other rebel groups to sign ceasefires all over the country. The ceasefires are going group by group. Two months ago, a ceasefire with the Gulf clan was called off. Talks with the National Liberation Army have also ended when they pulled out. OPIAC an umbrella group of indigenous nations from the Amazon denounced the murders. They accused EMC FARC of forcibly recruiting the Mururi teens. They were murdered after they had escaped from the EMC FARC. EMC FARC has about 3,000 members and is strongest in Cacueta, Guaviare, Meta, and Putamayo. Petro was elected promising to broker sustained peace in Colombia. Those are your headlines for today. It's Tuesday, May 23rd. I'm Nora, and I know it's Tuesday, but Sandy and Nora, we're still on vacation. So I'll drop in something else from my other podcast, and I hope you enjoy.